This is an Indian Noir one-shot. Precious Things, Part 2 Rajesh could have driven through Highway 85, blindfolded. He had lived in a suburb just off the freeway a while ago. This was the stretch of road where the incident took place. In fact, he was just about to pass the exact spot in a matter of minutes. He wasn't sure he wanted to stop there. But guilt was a primal emotion, and he felt his foot involuntarily press down on the brake pedal. He flicked the left indicator on, and pulled up in front of the road sign, which stood like a sentinel under flowering gulmohar trees. It was one of those old-fashioned signs made from stone, featuring black text on a yellow background, announcing the distance to towns that lay ahead. He looked closely for any signs of blood, but he saw none. On that night of nights, the surface of the structure was swathed in a crimson blanket of blood. He shuddered as a flood of memories tried to erupt from within and overwhelm his senses. He sat with the feeling for a while, but when it became too much, he started the car. Rajesh drove on struggling to shove the incident back into the deepest recesses of his mind. It was just an accident. It was just an accident. He tried to convince himself. He glanced at the leather bag lying on the empty passenger seat and remembered his wife's entreaties to take care as he left home to start the trip. He had opened the front section of the bag and shown her the revolver. Just in case things go south, he had told her. It belonged to Dajesh's father, who had represented India in the Commonwealth Games. While Dajesh was not a gold medalist in sharpshooting, his father had trained him to deliver precise kill shots if push came to shove. There was no crime in their neighborhood, so Dajesh had not used the weapon in recent times. But in the absence of news outlets, it was difficult to know what the law and order situation was in the wider world. The location of the store, as identified in the poster, was only an hour away from his residence. But he would feel better if he had something to deal with any antisocial elements who might try to rob him of his valuables. Most importantly, it reassured his wife. Please be careful. She said to him, I will, and I will come back with the medicine. Rajesh said to her, gently caressing her cheeks.
The banyan tree with its saffron ribbons and the grassy patch of land and the woods leading to the store looked menacing. But Rajesh prodded on. He didn't expect smugglers to have posh shop fronts to trade their wares. So the location of the store did not come as a surprise to him. It was something else that worried him. A rising heat at the back of his head. Like his body was alerting him to the presence of an ancient malevolence that nested in the ruins that lay ahead. He pulled the gun out of his bag and placed it in his pocket. He rested a hand on it as he moved forward. No one was going to play games with him and he was determined to return with the medication for his daughter. Unless the smugglers had closed shop and left. But there was another car parked underneath the banyan tree. So clearly, they had other customers who had come looking for essentials. He muttered a prayer, begging for God's mercy. The shadows in the passageway resolved to muted images of ashen walls when the bulb came on. Rajesh scanned his surroundings before walking up to the door. So far, so good, he thought as he knocked on the door. Then the sensation of someone creeping up behind him. He pulled out his gun and spun quickly. Hands grabbed onto his shoulder from the front as the door behind him flung open. A diseased, mutated human Garbed in a hooded tunic, sneered at him as it pushed him backwards. Rajesh fired into its face as he fell backwards. The bullet shattered the soft facial bones and the rotting meat covering it. A putrid, viscous concoction of blood and body fluids sprayed out through the back of its head. Rajesh landed on the stone floor on his back and looked up at two more forms swathed in outfits similar to the first attacker. They were staring at him, aggression writ large on their rotting faces. One of the assailants raised a log with the intention of bashing Rajesh into a state of unconsciousness. Rajesh kicked the attacker in the groin and sent him stumbling away into a dark corner. His companion fled down a partially sunlit corridor that led deeper into the fort. Rajesh jumped to his feet and pointed the gun at the barely visible visage of the creature he had assaulted. When he was confident he could deliver a decent shot, he pulled the trigger, sending the limp body of the thing crashing against the walls of the vaulted chamber. Rajesh snapped his attention back to the escapee. He surveyed the length of the passageway. Green moss and stubborn weeds sprouting from the gaps of the stonework carpeted the path to the central keep. Strange chants emanated from the dark inlets of the complex and filled him with a deep sense of unease. This whole essential goods store scam was but a ruse to serve the murderous needs of a leprous cult. Dajesh decided not to tempt his fate anymore and exited the chamber through the front door. He paused to check on his first victim, now a silent figure on the ground. He slowly lifted its hood with the tip of his boots. 
The thing was clearly a woman in the past, but its skin was a patchwork of tumours, boils and aged skin. Its nose had transformed into a fleshless, blackened cartilage. It was mostly hairless, except for desiccated greying strands sprouting out from disgusting moles. Strangely, the open eyes were clear as the day it first opened to draw in the sights of the world. The overall effect was that of a baby trapped in the body of an ancient human. Rajesh dry-wretched as he pulled back his boot. But before he could take the first step towards his car, a voice rang out from the heart of the ruins. Leaving so early, are you? What about the medicines for your daughter? I am surprised that you have given up so easily. Fear gripped Rajesh's body and he felt ice water run through his veins. He tried to run, but it felt like an invisible army of hands had bolted him down to the spot where he stood. Come, come inside and I will give you what you desire. No one will harm you. Come, don't be shy, the voice said. The unnerving quality of the disembodied voice made his lips tremble. He was compelled to obey. So he turned and walked back in through the door. He strode through the passageway covered in vegetation and entered a cylindrical chamber that rose to the height of a three-storied house. It lacked a roof and Rajesh could see the sky and vines and creepers that edged the mouth of the structure. The inner walls were swathed in dark shadows, but Rajesh noticed a hint of movement in the gloom, like the writhing choreography of a hundred human bodies engaged in an orgiastic dance to appease some heathen god. Then the whispers began, and Rajesh shivered like a leaf. He tried to lift his gun, but his hands felt like jelly. Scores of robed figures emerged from the shadows and surrounded him. Vile muted prayers dropped from their lips like pus dripping from an infected wound. Something large and many times taller than him, stepped forth as if it were a giant statue that had just come to life and escaped its prison of stone and mortar. Its humongous hooved feet swept through the adoring crowd like knife slicing through butter. The hooded figures chanted louder, showering their deity with floral bouquets of mantras. The light from above now revealed the monstrous incarnation that spoke to Dajesh. It had the head of a goat and thick curved horns that blazed with a blue nimbus of electric energy. Its torso was a marriage of both man and beast and its abdomen sported an open fleshy cavity where bowls of snakes mated.
a strange glistening sex organ that throbbed and shrank and grew erect every few minutes, nestled between its legs. Are you ready? The creature asked, extending a taloned finger. 